Good evening, everybody. Let's all stand, and together we're going to lift up our voices as we sing On Jordan's Stormy Banks, and then In Christ Alone. On Jordan's Stormy Banks I stand and cast a wishful eye to Canaan's fair and happy land where my possessions lie. I am bound for the promised land. I am bound for the promised land. Oh, who will come and go with me? I am bound for the promised land. When shall I reach that happy place and be forever blessed? When shall I see my Father's face and in His bosom rest? I am bound for the promised land. I am bound for the promised land. Oh, who will come and go with me? I am bound for the promised land. In Christ alone, I hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song. His cornerstone. at the bridge. Our Lord and our Savior, Lord, we just got such a privilege to be able to come to your house tonight and sing these songs and praise to you, Lord, and hear the word of God preached. Father, I just pray that you would prepare all of our hearts for the message, Father, that it might make a change in us, Father. We thank you for it in Christ's name. Amen. Please be seated. Let's continue in singing at Calvary and then grace alone. Years I spent in vanity and pride, caring not my Lord was crucified, knowing not it was for me he died on Calvary. Mercy there was great and grace was free, pardon there was multiplied to Self found liberty at Calvary, and all 
October, our Missions Emphasis Month. This morning we had uh, Brother Mark from the Philippines. Pray for Brother Mark. He's got serious gout, really bad gout. He's got some serious swelling, a lot of pain. So pray for Brother Mark. And then also pray, you know, we've been investing through the years in the church up in Island Pond. And um, that church, as you know, is without a pastor. Uh, this afternoon, they texted to me and said that they live streamed our service for their service this morning, and it was a real blessing to them. But we need to pray for them that they can find a pastor. It's, uh, it's a good opportunity for a young person getting out of college or just wanting to transition into the ministry, um, but pray for the church up in Island Pond. And then just uh, want to remind you that our missionaries around the world if you'll read their missions letters, you'll see that they, they have problems just like you, struggles just like you. Pray for them. Pray for them on the foreign field. A lot of them, they don't have the opportunity that you have. Say, say you go through a little financial trouble, you can pick up a side job, a little part-time job, whatever. They can't do that. Those countries won't allow them to do that. So they need your prayer. Health issues, financial issues, Global issues, they're impacted by all of them, just, just like you are. Tonight, we have uh, Brother Tommy. He's going to come up and preach for us. Pastor's down there in Louisiana. And come on, right up. And you've been, you've been pastoring the church for how long? 13 years. 13 years. 13 years. <laughs> and uh, sometimes it's pretty rough where they are. They have gone through some of these hurricanes and uh, have been ousted right out of their house. In fact, you guys only recently got back in. We got back in our house in May, March. And in the church building, I think the week before we got back in our house. Yeah. So Maybe you can explain a little bit sure. to them. It helps them to appreciate Vermont as we're getting ready to go into winter. <laughs> yes, sir. It is good to be with you tonight, and uh, always uh, we always look forward to traveling if we can, but also to visit with our children and to see our daughter, and uh, we're thankful for her and uh, for you dear folks taking care of her and welcoming her in. I think it's a little over three years since we were uh, moved her up here, and uh, so we've had a great time of fellowship with her uh, these past few days, and so God's been good, amen? amen. Uh, any of you ever lived in hurricane country? Okay, my son. I can always count on my family to participate. I thought I saw one other hand. That was my wife. So yes, thank you all for your support. Um, let me explain a hurricane. It, it's a whole lot of wind. And after it moves through, you can't buy a breeze for about 72 hours. And they usually are in July and August. And the heat seems like it's tripled. And if it's a bad enough storm, you don't have any power anyway. And uh, so that's what happened this past, was it last year? It was last year with Ida. Uh, and it, as it came through our parish of about, our county, we have parishes, it's about 55,000 people. And there was no power anywhere in the parish. Uh, the original estimates were we would be out for at least a month. 
and we didn't have hardly any water and the hospital was absolutely of no use. Uh, so the damage was pretty severe, uh, but we got power back in two weeks. So that was a blessing. Uh, we were not able to use our church building. We rent a storefront building, but it had pretty severe damage. So we were kind of out of flux for a little while. And so the few days after the storm, we're patching roofs, trying to put tarps and help people out as best we can. Once you get into the parish, you have no cell service. You can't communicate or contact anybody until you're about 50 miles outside of the parish. Then you can have cell service again. And so we were running around taking care of our folks. And, and I appreciate them because they were wanting to know, hey, pastor, when are we meeting again? I'm like, well, let's try to get all the debris out of the road a little bit. <laughs> we'll figure out. I don't even know who has a house that we can meet in or a place. But for the next six weeks, we had a few families that didn't have any severe damage. Uh, so we were able to meet in their homes. And that's what we did for church for those next six Sundays. And those were really just some tremendous, tremendous Sundays. But as that was kind of getting a little difficult, we were trying to find a place to meet. And uh, long story short, there was a man that was opening up a uh, venue for wedding receptions. And our parish president, through a, a friend that we know, put us in touch with this guy. And so we got in touch with him and he let us use his facility five, six months. It was a while uh, on Sunday mornings at no cost. Amen. And it was a tremendous blessing. And, and one of the funny things, of course, it's a reception hall. They have all these stage lights and everything for bands and whatnot. And so I'm sitting there preaching one day. One of our little kids drops something and it hits the floor. When it does, all these lights come on and they're flashing and they got this crystal ball. And I'm like, what is going on? This is being live streamed out. And I'm wondering what are my other preacher friends? I'm going to be getting phone calls like, what are you doing? Well, at the end of the service, someone dropped a hymn book as we were picking everything up and we realized it's noise activated. So the running joke was, you know, preacher, are we getting one of those when we get back in our building and we can put it up there, you know? And I said, no, we're not doing that. But, uh, but God was good through all of that. And I, it's difficult. Pray for the folks in Florida. It, it's it's going to be a long, long process. You look at something like that and you're trying to figure out. Where do you start? Do you get the trees off of the second floor of people's houses? Or do you get the trees out of the road first? You can try to get to the power lines to stand those back. I mean, where do you, where do you begin? And so it really is an overwhelming uh, process. But the Lord brought us through it. Amen. So uh, I look, at least for me, I look up north and see snow. And I'm thinking I could probably handle that because I know it's coming other than 145 mile an hour winds. Uh, that's a little different. And, and when it's gone, it just destroys everything. So, but we're used to it, I guess. We still live down there, but that's where God's called us. And so uh, we're just laboring for him. If you would open your Bibles tonight to Mark chapter number one, and we're going to look in verse number 14 is where we'll begin reading in just a little bit. Mark chapter number one tonight. And uh, I, I, the reason I had to look to my wife to see how long I've been pastoring, um, if I'm enjoying something that I'm doing, I don't keep track of time. I just, I don't worry about it. If it's something I'm not enjoying, I could probably tell you to the hour how long I've been involved uh, in this process. But, uh, so I don't keep up with all that. I know before I went down, I didn't have all gray hair. Now I have uh, all gray hair. So if that's any measure of anything, you know, young people, you need to get in the ministry. Amen. And so <laughs> we are going to talk about that tonight. Mark chapter number one, and we're going to begin reading in verse 14. And we're going to read down through uh, verse number 20 tonight. Mark chapter number one, 
And we'll begin reading at verse 14. The Bible says, Now after that John was put in prison, Jesus came into Galilee, preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God, and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye, and believe the gospel. Now as he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And Jesus said unto them, Come ye after me, and I will make you to become fishers of men. And straightway they forsook their nets and followed him. And when he had gone a little farther thence, uh, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who also were in the ship, mending their nets. And straightway he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the ship with the hired servants and went after him. Well, let's pray. Father, we thank you tonight for loving us. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to be in your house tonight. Father, the privilege to open your word, Father, to preach to, uh, to your people. And Lord, I want to be a help tonight. I want to be a blessing tonight. I pray, Father, that our hearts and our minds and our ears tonight are submitted to your leading and your will this evening. And Father, I pray that you would just, uh, just meet with us, have your will and way in what is said and done. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. The title of the message tonight is simply this, A Call Worth Hearing. A call worth hearing. My daughter had mentioned to me uh, just in conversation that you were entering your, your missions month, but I didn't, that really wasn't at the forefront of my mind when I was printing off different messages to bring. And uh, anytime I travel, if I'm going to be in another church and they know I'll be in the area, I bring, I have learned, bring a message because you never know. I bring several. And, uh, and so this is the one that the Lord had. And I, and I kind of smiled to myself this morning. I'm like, oh, well, I guess this fits. And uh, with what's going on. But, uh, you know, God puts a call on our life. Every child of God, there's multiple calls. Uh, pastor mentioned a moment ago about the church here in Vermont that's looking for a pastor. We uh, have a church in southwest Louisiana that just here recently had to close their doors, uh, just never recovered after COVID. And one of the hard things that is starting in our day is, one, just finding people that are even interested in the gospel and then two, finding Christians who will be submitted to the gospel. And uh, there is a, a huge need in our nation today, not just for pastors and evangelists, but Sunday school teachers and, and laborers in the church, just faithful Christians. And so there is a, there is a great need in the hour. And so uh, we're going to look at some of these calls that God has on our life that you and I tonight really need to fulfill. And I believe why most Christians are disgruntled and discontented. And, and sometimes I'll meet people that'll tell me, well, I've tried that. And what they mean is, well, I've tried church. You know, I did that for so many years and, 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 and it, it didn't work. And what they mean by that is I tried a formula and I'm looking for the results that I wanted. But I never really truly surrendered to God looking at the results he wanted. And when those two are not in line, can I tell you tonight, you and I are going to be disgruntled. And so it's important tonight that we understand the calling that God has placed upon our lives. All of us in this room have many calls on our life and on our time. We have a lot of demand on our time. Uh, think about this. Jesus had demand on his time, did he not? He didn't come to this earth and just kind of hang out in Jerusalem until it was time to go to the cross and went on down to the cross. He was a busy man. Matter of fact, he told his parents, uh, no, you're not. I must be about my father's business. There's things that have to be done. And so there was a great demand and many calls 
on his time. And we see here in Mark chapter 1 that he's beginning uh, his public ministry following his uh, public baptism. And he's beginning to go out and call his uh, disciples. And he's also preaching a very simple message. Right? We see this in Mark chapter uh, number 1 and verse number 15. Uh, yeah, 15 he says, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. And that really is the message of the hour because the time is at hand. The kingdom of God is at hand. And somebody might say, well, we don't know. That could be another hundred years. But you're probably not going to live another hundred years. So the kingdom of God, yes, it is going to come at God's timing. But guess what? Uh, when you and I step off into eternity, that could be tomorrow. We're not guaranteed another hundred years. Amen. So we need to be ready to meet uh, the Lord. And so that's the message of the hour, to go out and to share the gospel uh, with folks. Salvation is the need of the hour. And so uh, Jesus sets out and begins to spread his message and he begins to look for men who would endeavor to help him. And this is an amazing thing to me as, you know, Jesus is God in the flesh. And yet he was still looking for men to help. Did you know he's still looking for men today? Still looking for laborers today? Still looking for co-laborers today? Because he knew there was going to come a time he was going to ascend back into heaven. He wasn't going to stay on this earth forever. And someone was going to have to continue the work. Amen. And who's going to continue that work? I used to tell folks all the time in, in churches, you know, we, we, we sit and we think, man, we need more missionaries. Well, where's God going to call the missionaries? From his labor force, which is us. Say, so, well, the world needs, we need more pastors and we need more Sunday school teachers and choir members and deacons. We need these things. Well, where are they going to come from? But from the saved. Amen. From you and I uh, tonight. So he called fishermen. And I find it interesting. He didn't just call fishermen. He called commercial fishermen. And I, and I, and I think sometimes, why would he do that? And, and, you know, commercial fishing is hard. I don't know about you. I'm not much of a fisherman. I'm glad that if I go fishing and I don't catch anything, I can still go home and eat. That's not the case always in commercial fishing. You're fishing for your livelihood. This isn't for enjoyment. This is to earn a living. This is to make sure you can eat. This is to make sure that you can continue that business. And I believe it probably has a low rate of success. Can I tell you, when you go out and share the gospel with folks, sometimes it has a low rate of success. You might think to yourself, wow, we do a whole lot of sowing, but we don't really get to see a whole lot of reaping. Well, the Bible tells us some sow and, or some plant and some water, but God will give the increase. So even if all you get to see in your life is sowing, then be excited that you get to sow. And if all you do in your life is a lot of watering, then praise God, you got to, to participate in the watering. And if you're blessed enough to see the sowing and the, and the watering and the reaping, well, then that's just even more reasons to be excited. Amen. And so we all have a part tonight in this. So we're going to look at these calls tonight. I'll give you the three and then we'll get into the message here in just a minute. There's a call to follow. There's a call to a new mission. And then most importantly tonight, there's a call of faith. You see, you and I can't live the Christian life in our strength. It's not set up that way. We can't do what God wants us to do with our intellect and our wisdom and our ability. It's not designed that way. It wouldn't be God's will. It would then be my will. Right? And there's a difference between the two. And so we see these callings. And we're going to look at them tonight in the scripture. I, I want to tell you during the Civil War, 
you know, Abraham Lincoln called some ministers together and they were going to have a time of prayer. And, and one of the men said, Mr. President, let us pray that God is on our side. Abraham Lincoln's response to that after a moment was this. He said, no, gentlemen, let us pray that we are on God's side. And I think sometimes if we're not careful in modern Christianity today, we set out on a journey and we look to God and say, no, God, I need you to bless this. Now, we didn't pray about it and we didn't seek God's will. We just started out on something and we're looking back to God saying, now, God, I really need you to, to bless this. And the whole time God is saying, that's not the direction I wanted you to go. As the pastor preached this morning, God didn't bless Jonah while he was going away uh, from Nineveh. Where did the blessing come when he began to go towards Nineveh and do what God called him to do? And the same thing is true in our life tonight. So we want to make sure that we are on God's side. So I'll give you a few things tonight in these calls. Number one, we see a call to follow. In Mark 1 and verse number 17, notice, And Jesus said unto them, Come ye after me. Come ye after me. When Jesus walked by, he didn't just kind of throw out a generic calling. He was talking to these men specifically. It was a very personal call. Can I tell you something tonight? God knows who you are. God knows your circumstance tonight. God knows your abilities and God knows your limitations. But God has a purpose and a plan for you. I tell our folks, I don't care if you're 99 years old or 9 months old. God has a purpose for your life. Even at the age of 99 and even at the age of 9 months, God has a plan and a purpose for your life. If you're still drawing air, God has a purpose for you. I don't believe God throws people away. I don't believe God just wastes time. God has a purpose for all of us. It was a very personal call. Can I tell you tonight, never believe that God made a mistake in calling you. Do you remember where you were the day you got saved? I remember where I was. I remember where I was when I finally surrendered to God's call in my life to, to, to preach. I didn't know what that meant that day in, in Natchez, Mississippi. I didn't understand on that Saturday morning when I finally yielded to God's call in my life to preach that one day I would be pastoring a church in Luling, Louisiana. I didn't know where Luling, Louisiana was. I didn't know there was a Luling, Louisiana. I don't even know that I knew there was a St. Charles Parish. But that's where I'm at. And I know that's where I'm supposed to be. So God has a purpose and a call. Never believe that God made a mistake in calling you. When Jesus called Matthew, he was even more direct. He just used two words. He looked at him and said, follow me. I wish I could tell you tonight that God is going to lay it all out in front of you. When he calls you to a purpose, when he calls you to a, to, a, uh, to a mission, so to speak, and we'll get to that in a little bit, but he doesn't give us the whole thing. He just tells us, just, just walk with me. Amen? Sometimes he'll give you a little glimpse. Sometimes he won't give you anything at all, but just enough to take the next step. And we have to trust him tonight that he knows what he's doing. Amen? This is a lifetime calling. Sometimes guys will, you know, retire from ministry or they'll move to another ministry or whatever that next step is. But listen, we don't ever retire from being Christians. Amen. We have a ministry, whether we're in a what would we would call a full time position or not. You have a ministry tonight. 
You have a ministry to be the most godly husband you can be, or father, or wife, or mother, son, uh, employer, employee, whatever the case may be, sibling, Sunday school teacher. It makes no difference. Crossing guard. We are to do all to the glory of God. That is God's calling, a call to follow him in good times and in bad times, in the middle of a hurricane, uh, or if you live in, I heard somebody say Chattanooga, Tennessee. If you want to live anywhere in the United States where you don't have a lot of natural disasters, it's Chattanooga, Tennessee. No blizzards, no earthquakes, no hurricanes, no, I mean, they went through the, through the whole list. But I guarantee you there's something there because there's no perfect place on earth, amen? But no matter where we are, God has a calling on our life. Take your Bibles, if you would, and look at 1 Peter chapter number 2. And I want to tell you, this calling is a lifetime calling. We never, and aren't you glad for this tonight? Aren't you glad you can't look at God and say, I don't want to be a Christian anymore? I'm glad I have no control over that. I am sealed by the Holy Spirit of God for all of eternity. And I am thankful. I don't know why anybody would even make uh, such a claim anyway, but I'm thankful tonight it's not up to me. 1 Peter chapter number 2, and look at verse number 21. The Bible says, For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example, that ye should follow his steps, who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth, who, when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. Who his own self bare our sins and his own body on the tree, that we, being dead to sins, should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes ye were healed. For ye were as sheep going astray, but are now returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your souls. And I want you to notice that phrase in verse number 21. Uh, ye should follow his steps. So you could go back to Mark chapter 1 and in verses 16 and 19, you really could put your name there. And you could read that and God is telling us, telling me, follow me. Follow me. Now, immediately some people believe, well, that, you, are you saying that God's telling me to quit my job and go? And, and, no, I don't know what God's telling you, but I know God's calling you. It may just be that God just wants you to be a witness and, exa and an example at that place. Amen. The world needs to see God's people in action. And so just as Jesus with an audible voice called those men, he's also called us. Where were we when Jesus called? I know the day that I got saved, the night that I was saved was uh, on a Thursday night, a WANA meeting. I was in the third grade and I was in Baton Rouge, Louisiana at Calvary Heights Baptist Church. I could take you to the same room tonight. I'd memorized John 3.16 just so I could pass the little part of the book and go to the next thing. And I'll never forget one of the faithful men in the church, Brother Jackson, asked me a question after I recited that verse. Do you know what that means? And I really didn't know what it means. And I said, no. And I'm thankful that that man took some time to explain that verse to me and exactly what it meant. And that night, bowed my head and trusted Christ as my Savior. Now, what was he doing? He was just following the calling that God put before him. That's all that he was doing. Amen. Just being obedient. What if he'd have stayed home that night? What if he'd have got home from work, had a bad day that day, had a hard day, and just decided, you know what? It's just an Awana thing. It's just a Thursday night. Somebody else can fill in. I'm thankful that he was faithful to that calling. 
I'm thankful for my pastor that uh, was patient with me as God was dealing with me for a year. As I sat in a church pew refusing to surrender to God's will for my life. Oh, I had a book of excuses. None of them were sufficient, but I had a book of them. And I'll never forget when I surrendered on that Saturday, uh, I, I didn't tell him anything. We had like 30 men go to this men's retreat in Mississippi. And, and on the ride home, I didn't say anything to any of the men. I thought, you know, I probably should talk to my wife first when I get home before I say anything to these guys because she didn't marry a preacher. Scared to death, went to bed that night, didn't say anything. It's 10 o'clock, 1030. And I'm thinking, you know, if you're going to do anything now would be a, at some point you're going to have to say something. Now, I'll never forget laying in that bed. I said, hey, I need to tell you something. And, uh, and, and she's, she said, what? I said, well, um, I said, well, I don't know how to say it, so I'm just going to say it. I said, but God's called me to preach. And it was dead silence. I don't think it was silent long, but it seemed like forever. Because I'm sitting there thinking, well, what do I do if she says, yeah, I didn't sign up for that. Now what? I had no idea. I didn't give her any advanced warning before I went and tell her, hey, the Lord's been leading me or, or dealing with me. I didn't say anything. And I'll never forget. She said, if that's what God's called, and she said this, if that's what God's called us to do, that's what we'll do. I couldn't believe it. I ran to my pastor that Sunday morning after church. I said, I got to meet with you soon. It's important. He said, how's Thursday sound? I said, I said, it's important. He said, Thursday will be good. Okay. I got in there Thursday, told him what happened, and he just sat back in his chair, smiled and shook his head. He said, I've been watching you for a year, waiting. But you know, had he come to me and tried to force anything, I probably would have just rebelled against it even more. I'm thankful tonight that God keeps calling. I've never regretted one day of my life following his call for my life. Have I always gotten it right? No. Will I always get it right? No, but I sure want to get it right. There's a personal call. Where were you? What is it that God is calling you to do? What was that purpose to catch men? He told these guys, you're not going to fish for fish anymore. You're going to catch men. So we have a call to follow. Number two, we have a call to a new mission. And we see this in Mark 1 uh, in verse number 17. He tells them this. Uh, he says at the end of that verse, I will make you to become fishers of men. I don't think those guys had any understanding as to what that meant. I mean, what exactly does that mean? Kidnap men? Put nets over them? Drive, I mean, what, what do you mean? Be fishers of men. Can I tell you tonight, a new life in Christ doesn't always mean a new vocation. I think sometimes that's what scares young people as far as surrendering to the Lord for their life. They automatically believe they're going to be in some dark jungle somewhere. But I tell you what, if that's God's will for my life, I would rather be there than here in the comforts of America. Because you'll be miserable. Outside of God's will is a miserable place to be. It should at least mean a new outlook for us. Amen. It ought to mean that, that we are going to put forward what God has called us to do. Peter and Andrew were actively fishing. James and John were mending their nets. Matthew was sitting at the receipt of custom when he was called. And these men didn't figure everything out instantly. They didn't know what that meant. But they knew something was going to be different. Something was going to be different. They knew their life would not be the same. They knew what Jesus was calling them to do was far larger than just catching fish and mending nets and collecting taxes. My secular job, I'm a project estimator. 
for a lightning protection company. We do lightning protection, electrical grounding, static grounding, all this kind of stuff. And so I'm not in the field anymore, praise the Lord. I'm, I'm inside, I'm in an office, and I'm estimating. And that's something I have to do. The ministry is something I get to do. And there's a difference. I'd much rather prepare a message than go through a bunch of drawings and, and blueprints. But I want to do my best because they know that I'm a pastor. They know that I'm a Christian. I want to have a good testimony, but I would much rather be catching men. Amen. Than trying to figure out how much cable needs to go uh, on a roof. But they knew that what his calling was to them was going to be much more important. Can I tell you what you do spiritually, what you do uh, for God, what you do for the kingdom is going to have eternal rewards. What we do here on this earth, another man's going to come behind us and pick up that job and keep moving forward. The day that God calls me home, if I'm still working for the same company, uh, probably before my funeral is even over, the one ad, the now hiring ad will be out on the Internet. That's just business. That's the way the world goes. But I know for my life, there's only going to be one Tommy Hogan. I'm only going to get whatever the years are that God gives me. And whatever I'm going to do for the glory of God has to be done now. And that to me is important. There's a call to follow. There's a call to a new mission. You and I tonight have been called to catch men. Think about this. Uh, when these guys were fishing, I'm sure they used mostly nets. There were probably other uh, ways of uh, fishing. And you and I ought to be casting nets for men. And here's some ways that we can do that. Evangelism. Missions. Getting involved in missions. Helping people go. Praying for those that are there. Going ourselves. Prayer. I think in the day and time in America today, Christians more than ever need to be praying for one another. Hopefully on a daily basis. Because the spiritual attacks are just unbelievable. What is happening in this country. Forgiveness. I wonder how much revival is interrupted. I wonder how much peace, how much contentment is often forfeited. Because we harbor bitterness in our heart and we don't exercise forgiveness. Those things matter in our walk. Those things matter in the work of God. Uh, to be fishers of men. And so we have an opportunity in these areas and other areas to do this. Um, when you fish in the secular sense, it's just to fulfill an ever-recurring need. These guys as commercial fishermen had to keep fishing. Why? Because they keep needing money. They had money to sell. People that would fish in order to feed themselves, guess what? You're going to get hungry again. Amen. I don't care how great a lunch you had today. By tomorrow morning, you're going to want something else to eat. And that's, just, and, that, and that's just the physical part. It's never uh, satisfied. And so you and I tonight strive for those spiritual goals in our life. So there's a call to fellowship. I mean, I'm sorry, a call to follow, a call to a new mission. Lastly, and I think this is the most important, there's a call to faith. Jesus walked by and told these men, he said, listen, now you're going to be fishers of men. And that's all he told them. At that moment, that's all he told them. In just over three years, these men were going to have to change their entire outlook from a secular outlook to a spiritual outlook to an eternal outlook. These men were going to have to find new passions. It wasn't any longer fishing or, you know, whatever they did on the weekends or, you know, you know all these kinds of things that people live for today. Money and, and you know, jobs and all this kind of stuff. Uh, their outlook was going to change. But Jesus didn't tell them everything up front. He said, follow me and I'm going to make you fishers of men. No details were given. They were going to learn a new trade in just a few years. Who was going to carry on this work? Well, it wasn't going to be Jesus, not in the flesh anyway. He was going to be gone. 
So someone else was going to have to do the work. Someone else was going to have to carry forth what we know today as the Great Commission. And as these disciples, as they walked with Jesus and they, they heard him teach, they saw the miracles that he did. They saw the people that he healed. They saw the hungry that he fed. They saw uh, the winds and the waves ceased and they saw all of these things. Can I tell you, the disciples needed to see that. Just as much as the blind needed to have their sight restored, just as much as the hungry needed to be fed, the disciples needed to see it. Why? So their faith would be strengthened. Have you ever looked at the children of Israel and thought to yourself, what a slow bunch. How do you see the Red Sea parted? Your enemy drowned behind you. And we're not talking a river, a sea. And they went across on dry ground. I believe my Bible. When it says dry ground, I believe it's as hard as concrete. They went across. The enemy was allowed to get so far in and then the river or the sea just closed on top of them. And then it's not long after that and they're doubting God. Time and time again. But I have to make sure I don't get too hard on the children of Israel because I know I've done that a time or two in my life. I've watched God provide a need and then... Six weeks later, two weeks later, all of a sudden, all worried and anxious over something. He's met all the other needs. Amen. Three years ago, when we dropped our daughter off here, and that day we began to make our journey home, we got as far as Pennsylvania. Needed a whole new motor. We had to rent a car, drive all the way back to Louisiana, left our car in Allentown, Pennsylvania. Now, can I, I wish I could tell you, that was the last bad thing that ever happened to us. We did not bring that car on this trip. So... You know, but every time you come into something, we need to remind ourselves, no, wait a minute. I got through the last thing. Did God not bring me through the last thing? Then surely he'll bring me through this thing. And our family, we talk about it having, now we've got a story, right? So there's just, it adds to the list. And so uh, that's just how it goes. So the disciples needed to see those miracles. They needed to have their faith strengthened in God. Who were these disciples? Just men. Just men. Take your Bible, go to Luke, and look at chapter number 5, if you would. I'm almost done tonight. The Lord comes by, and he calls these fishermen. He calls a tax collector. He calls these men to follow him. He tells them he's going to make them fishers of men, and they're trying to figure out exactly uh, what that is going to be, but they've never heard anyone teach like he teaches. They've never seen anyone do uh, the things that he is doing, and so they know that there is something different here. And, and look at Luke chapter number 5 and verse number 1. The Bible says, And it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of uh, Gennesaret and, and uh, saw two ships standing on the lake. But the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Now when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, Launch out into the deep. And let down your nets for a draft. And Simon answering said unto him, Master, we've toiled all night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. Now, you know what happens after this. Now, I want you to think about this for a minute. Here's what Jesus knew about the disciples. They're men. In the book of Job, Job says, God remembered my frame. We're fragile, aren't we? We're just dust. We think we're supermen and superwomen. We're just dust. That's what we are. 
Jesus looked at these men at these men, and he called these men. He knew that they were weak. He knew they were afraid. He knew there would be times of doubting, fearful. They would be anxious. They would be wondering. Sounds a lot like us today. We go through all of these things at some point in our life. Jesus looks at Peter and says, Peter, I want you to go ahead and just push us out a little further. I want you to take that net and I want you to throw it in the water. Now, why did he say this? Because he was about to teach him something. I want you to understand tonight, Jesus didn't throw the net in the water for Simon. Jesus didn't push the, the boat out a little bit further either. All Jesus told Peter to do was to push the boat out, throw the net over. Now, Peter protested a little bit. He said, you know, we've been toiling all night and we've caught nothing. But here's the difference. Peter looks at him and he says, but at thy word. And he throws the net. So, well, preacher, Peter didn't always get it right after that. I know, neither do we. But can I tell you, after that time that he denied Christ, I don't find him ever again denying the Lord. You know, when Thomas, doubting Thomas, said, well, I'm not going to believe it till I see the hand, you know, the scars. And, and until I, he was from Missouri, he said, I'm not going to believe it till I see it. And when he saw Christ, he said, my God and my Lord, and never doubted again, ended up dying a martyr's death. There came a moment of decision, a moment of solidification in their life. And when these men, they had to experience this themselves. Jesus couldn't do it for them. Jesus couldn't take the net and throw it over. Jesus couldn't push the boat out any further. He had to do it. And for you and I tonight, God lays a call on our life. And he's telling us, move that boat out just a little bit more. Throw that net over one more time. And we look up and say, well, Lord, I've done all this. I've done everything that I know to do. And that's the point. We've done everything we know to do. Now we need to, we need to let God do what God wants to do. But he can't do that if we don't obey. He said, he didn't, Jesus didn't argue with Peter. He didn't say, well, Peter, I know you're an experienced fisherman, but please just, he didn't do any of that. Two simple commands. I want you to push the boat out, Peter. I want you to throw the net over. And guess what Peter did? Push the boat out. And maybe when he threw the net over, he was thinking to himself, this is just going to come up empty again. But it didn't matter what he was thinking, at least he obeyed. We sing that hymnal often, trust and obey. There really is no better way to have joy and victory in the Christian life. Trust and obey. Tonight, we've got to come to an end of ourselves before God can take us where he wants us to be. If I stay in the way, stand in the way, and I tell God, God, I, I don't want to follow. I'm not interested in a new mission, and I don't want to strengthen my faith. Then at that moment, there's really not much more God can do through me. Not because God doesn't want to, not because God doesn't love me, because I'm not letting him. Here's the crazy thing about faith. It's only going to be exercised if we step out sometimes when we don't see what's next. But Lord, at your word, at your word, I'll take that next step. Now, whether that's giving to missions, whether it's... Uh, teaching a class, whatever it is in your life, whatever that step of faith is, can I encourage you tonight? Take that step. And I promise you, God will never let you down. But understand, it may not be what you're expecting it to be. So you have to be surrendered to, Lord, whatever your will is. Whatever your will is.
then you'll start finding that joy and that contentment that America tonight is spending hundreds of millions of dollars trying to find. This happiness that seems to elude uh, everybody. I'm going to tell you where you're going to be happy. You'll be happy in the Lord. But you won't be happy in the Lord if we're not exercising our faith and being obedient to him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you tonight, Lord, for your word. I thank you tonight that, Father, you're always speaking to us, Lord. You're always calling us. Your desire is to use us in a great and mighty way. Father, you want to work your will in our life, not so that we get praised, but, Father, we can glorify and praise you. We see these men here tonight, Father, that took that step of faith and, Lord, they followed you and sometimes they made mistakes, but, Father, sometimes they got it right. But I'm grateful tonight, Father, that you still desire to use each and every one of them. Father, here we sit tonight in America in 2022 and it's easy to look to our right hand and to our left. It's easy tonight to try to figure out our plan. Lord, we'll never grow spiritually. Father, we'll never really impact this world for you until we surrender ourselves and give ourselves wholly to you to lead and direct in our lives how you see fit. Father, help us tonight to hear the call. Lord, help us tonight to yield and respond to the call. Father, help us to be obedient to that call. Their heads bowed and eyes closed, and I'll turn it back to the pastor tonight. Maybe right where you're sitting as your head is bowed, maybe just take a moment and surrender yourself to the Lord. Whether you go or give, whether you go or send, every one of us needs to be involved in world missions. Lord, as we get ready to be dismissed, I do ask that you bless the food to our bodies that we're about to partake of down in the fellowship hall. I do pray that you would help us to go forth into our communities as missionaries. Help us to reach out to our coworkers, our neighbors, our friends, our relatives. Share the faith of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, that you promised to be with us and empower us. In Christ's name we pray, amen. amen.